0: Why does Why is that important? The podcast is called "Why Is That Important." All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, as we've explained, we've got Jim and Casey Rule back here for round two, ding, 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 of of our uh, politics discussion. And today um, we're talking about healthcare And before we get into it, we thought we would ask uh, everybody. Andrew, you asked the question. You phrased it much better than I'm thinking of it now.
1: Kind of of just to kind of get us started and get our brains thinking in the right direction. uh, Describe a time when the healthcare system... This doesn't have to be the United States healthcare system if you happen to be out of the country and and had a great or terrible experience. But describe a time when the healthcare system either dramatically failed or dramatically succeeded for you or someone you know. So let's... I, I don't know if you guys had... Have some time to think about it, but uh, let's start with you, Casey. Is there? Have you? How? Have you ever had any dramatically positive or dramatically negative interactions with the healthcare system?
2: Well, I um I uh, recently had a, a relative of mine who passed away from cancer who um it went uh, untreated for many years because he was uh, unable to get insurance. Pre, prior to the Affordable Care Act because of um, having a pre-existing con- condition. So mm-hmm. that's that's probably the best example I can think of of a dramatically negative experience with the healthcare system.
1: How about you, Jim? Um, I, I have
3: mostly good. I, I would say a positive experience. I had a uh, uh, my wife had an issue with cancer and That'd be the if I had to pick one incident that I'm most thankful for is how they handled it. They caught it in time. They they just they were just phenomenal.
1: Well, actually, those two stories juxtapose with each other really really well because I imagine Jim. I'm um, I'm gonna project a little bit here and you tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you had health insurance for the duration of that um, situation. Absolutely. Okay.
3: A whole different story if I didn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be Casey's relative's story or much more similar to that story. And I know I have had six knee surgeries at this point, three on each knee. <laughs> and by and large, I've really had a pretty good experience with a health care system, except for um, the one. the one negative I have against it is I never know who it's going to cost and who's going to pay it and how much it's going to cost until well after the fact, which isn't the case for basically any other transaction and certainly no other transaction of this size and magnitude that I've ever made. You know, I've never bought a car where they're like, well, don't worry, you only have to pay the first couple thousand and then somebody else will pay the rest and we don't know how much it's going to be until after you buy the car and drive it for 10,000 miles, then we'll send you the bill, but you won't actually have to pay it, somebody else will. So... <laughs> Because I, I went for an that. MRI, <laughs> I went for an MRI, and I was gonna have to pay this one out of pocket because I hadn't met my deductible. I'm like, how much is it gonna be? We don't know. F- for real, you don't actually know how much the service you provide costs. Can you imagine going to the hardware store and just being like, I need one of these. How much? I don't know. Take it, and then we'll send you a bill when we decide. Anyway, well, do you want the good? Do you want the the good uh, cashier,
0: the medium cashier, or the best cashier? <laughs> well, we'll get into all that later. But Joe, do you do you have
1: any interesting experiences with the healthcare system?
0: Nothing, nothing like like anything you guys are talking about comes to mind. I mean, I've had you know a knee surgery and stuff, but I remember there was a time for about a year or two where I just didn't have health insurance because I I had to pay for it myself. And, um, I was, I basically just like avoided anything super dangerous. Like I went on bike rides, but I didn't do anything dumb. And it was, it was at a time in my life where I would have done something dumb too. So like being 19, 20, 21 years old. And, um, the, the thing for me was I was very grateful once, um, I forget, it wasn't under the Obamacare. I think actually it was Bush. That put into place that you could be under your parents' health insurance up until twenty six. Nope, so that I, was the ACA, but close. Yeah, one. Well, but it, it. I thought it was before then because it was still while I was my parents. I mean, I could be wrong, but um, maybe it was that. But I was grateful to have that that opportunity because it gave me. My dad had good insurance. I could do that. I could get on there, and um, I was. I learned the lessons to not be stupid during the time when I didn't have it, but. I mean, yeah. I mean, had I had I gotten injured, and, it's a valuable another, lesson. Yes, yeah, it was. And another thing for me was, I know that diabetes runs in my family, and so I wouldn't let them test anything like that. Um, so just in case that they fa- if they found something, they they wouldn't be able to either raise my prices or say they they wouldn't be able to do it because of a pre existing condition. So that defined my my early views of of health insurance quite a
1: bit. Interesting. So I I guess the the next the next station that this train needs to come to is uh basically <laughs> Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> healthcare train to Better Systemville leaving now. Anyway, what, you know, how what would an ideal healthcare system look like both from an outcomes standpoint and from a um kind of a logistic standpoint? Who pays for it? How does it get paid for? When do you pay for it? Um, and, and let me also say that health insurance and health care are two very different things. Um, in this, yeah, in, in our country, they get conflated a bit, but health care is actually the doctor saying, you're sick and here's what you need to get better, or you're fine, go home and quit whining, or whatever it is. That's health care getting an MRI, getting a surgery. Having a baby, that's all health care. Health insurance is one of a variety of methods to pay for it. And generally speaking, the point of health insurance is to uh, uh, pay a small premium to protect you against the risk of having to to pay a cost you can't afford to pay. Um, And that that concept has been heavily abused, especially by insurers and companies over the past 70 years or so. To the point where it's not health insurance anymore. Now it's just ongoing health prepayment installment plans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> When's the last time you've had a doctor that was like, "Ah, you're fine. Suck it up. Go home." Like, oh, Doctor all- Rashid, Doctor Rashid would do that. He was great. Oh, um, uh, lately it's like, uh, I mean, you're probably fine, but here's six tests that we need to do just to be safe.
1: No, he would be like. Nope, you're fine. Go home. Do you want some antibiotics or something? It's not going to help, but I'll write them if you want them. If you want them. <laughs> like, nah, I appreciate that. Like, yeah, it's viral, so it's not like you're going to do anything with the antibiotics. It might make you feel better, but that's a placebo effect. No, he, he
0: was—he's re- recently been your doctor, or when you're growing up?
1: No, this was not too long ago. He was my doctor up until about three or four years ago. Oh, when, so he's old school. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's ret- is he retired? Well, I'm—I was getting there. You're, you're jumping oh, okay. the gun. He retired shortly after somebody made an accusation against him that he was, like, being handsy. But, I mean, he's a doctor. He's going to feel your chest to see if he has any, like, if there, if there's any funny feelings, essentially. He's going to put his stethoscope on there and listen to your breathing and whatnot. Anyway, some 14-year-old girl was like, he was feeling me up. And he's like, I don't have to deal with this. I'm wealthy enough. I'm 62 or whatever. I'm done. I'm just not going to do it anymore. So then he retired. And I was like, come on. You ruined it for all of us. So that was...
2: Very, very topical now, all of a sudden. Yeah. Enjoy.
3: Enjoy. <laughs> Innocent until proven guilty-ish. Well done.
1: Yeah, ish. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so the things a healthcare system can do is, you know, I guess that kind of runs the gamut. You can have anything from like a, a witch doctor, which is shake a funny rattle at you and say, feel better. Or you can have all the way up to, you know, do you want a healthcare system that encourages innovation and risk taking and developing new procedures and medicines and, and so on and so forth at the cost of well, at a lot of, at a high cost, because you have to incentivize intelligent people who could make a lot of money doing something else to go into that field. Um, and so and everything in between is some form of functioning healthcare system. Now I would argue that outcomes really vary, but I just curious. I'm curious, Casey. Um, what What do you What would you say a healthcare system that the United States would be happy with would look like? Could be happy. Um.
2: With. Sure. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the the same um, slight preamble that I am. Not a, uh, a an expert on healthcare, and I'm not pretending to be an expert on healthcare. And I think it's, it's I think this is a really interesting conversation to have. Just like when we had a conversation about taxes, it's one of those issues that touches everyone and is really really difficult to talk about if you're not an expert. So it's good to to figure out how to talk about it. Um, so what would a healthcare system look like ideally in the United States. I think what you hear of a lot is, is people saying either the best healthcare system is going to be entirely free market or the best healthcare system is going to be socialism. And I, I think this touches again on, on something we talked about last week, which is we, we, we talked about how taxes aren't inherently good or bad. Um, they're they're a tool government isn't inherently good or bad it is a tool that is good at some things and bad at other things and similarly uh, capitalism is not inherently good or bad capitalism is really really good at pulling millions of people in developing countries especially out of poverty and and capitalism is really really bad at things like, like disincentivizing long-term negative externalities like pollution or public health health risks and and similarly socialism is not an inherently good or bad thing social Socialism is really, really good at cutting uh, per capita costs and increasing access to services through, you know, creating a buyer's monopoly. Socialism is really, really bad at incentivizing things like innovation and development. And so, I, what I would say is that an ideal healthcare uh, environment in the United States isn't one thing or the other. It's about figuring out what are the things that capitalism is good for and what are the things that socialism is good for and applying those in the right places
1: Well said uh, Jim, if, if, if I may ask um, theorize about what you think uh, the healthcare landscape could look like in a positive way
3: well, I have I did a, a, a I read a book that was ridiculously uh, extent like it just it went on and on and on and it was a tough read but it was a really good read because it dealt with um, like Casey said an issue that touches all of us and this book got so I I'm trying to look up the name of it right now because I it's ridiculous that I can't tell you the name of it but it's just that's what it is it's 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 not a you know fantastical fiction it's it's, it's just good stuff though and what what i drew from that book which was so thorough in the research and in the you know discussing the issue the best system in america would be one where the owners of the hospitals are also the owners of the insurance companies because currently we you know and this came up several times already we we we're, we all feel burned sometimes we feel like you know um, the, the doctors will send five specialists in for something that I'm in there for 40 minutes. And then my bit, the bill comes and each one of those specialists was $300. So they, they, they have a keen interest in, in building these costs and it helps to pay for things. I mean, there's reasons for it. It helps to do whatever. I'm not trying to, you know, make judgments here, but just stating the facts, it's something that, you know, it's a reality, um, and if you have a, a the hospital owner also owning the insurance company, there's going to be incentives to, to get around that and to work it out so that we can have capital environment where they're competing for your business. You can have different providers in different locations that that blend. You know, they can cover. We we you know the government involvement should be as minimal as possible, in my opinion. But um, let it, let the market rule. I mean, there's just so many ways you can do it and. This group over here on the East Coast finds a way to do it, just like we talked last uh, two weeks ago. you know let let people run with it and see who can come up with the best systems and then follow after it,
1: yeah, Joe, do you have any thoughts about what a a system might look like that could work for everybody or most of the people anyway?
0: Yeah, uh, not, I mean, not really. um it's for me, it's more about like some practical things and um, again like I said it shaped, my my views are somewhat shaped by my experience but for me uh, a healthcare system that allows for people to be excluded because of of past issues that seems um, seems odd to me uh, I understand why why it's it has been done that way because it's you know it's expensive it's it's like literally bringing on. Uh, somebody like if you were owned a business, um, you you'd be bringing on somebody on your payroll that would would be taking up significantly more, um, time and effort and money than you'd actually be paying them for. Um, but uh, the other thing for me is, um, I like that there are, in ince- Well, I shouldn't say this. Um, I like that there are incentives. To try and help families out, uh, I think those things are are important. But then I think you know there's stuff for all the single people and um, and and all that stuff. So beyond that, though, I I don't know that I've given this much thought beyond just seeing the the parts that kind of suck. <laughs> you know, like it, it to me it seems weird to for one doctor to be paid uh one price and then another doctor is paid another price and I've had that experience with some things with with my son and um but part of that is, as well is like my brain just goes oh, I just want a cheaper price but maybe there's more inherent value in something that I don't that I don't even realize so yeah that's about that's about it that's what
1: I got well the other question I should ask is is anybody satisfied with the system we have
0: no no
1: jim See, I, I,
3: I'm very grateful for it. I can't, you know. There's a fine line there because that doesn't mean I'm um, beyond critiquing it. So I, I'm I'm extremely thankful for the for the access to care that I've had. I've paid through the nose for all my adult life. You know, it, it costs money, but I don't. I, I know that it does, and I go into it knowing that. And you know, I if I need it, it's there. So yeah, I kind of on the fence there, Andrew. Sorry.
1: No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you said that because I, you know, I certainly come from a a position where it's like, everybody knows healthcare in America kind of sucks. We pay a lot and don't get a lot. Um, and we're, we're the innovation lab for the rest of the world and they just steal our ideas and don't pay us for it. Um, in, in some ways, um, that might be, that's definitely a bit of an over-exaggeration. If I may take a moment to toot my own idea horn, um, I think the first thing we have to come to grips with is that, as Casey pointed out, capitalism is terrible at figure out, figuring out ways to balance moral good against, um, you know, capital allocation good, essentially. And we don't live in a country where we're comfortable saying, if you're 85 and a millionaire, you can get all the health care you want. But if you're a cute little six-year-old girl who happens to have poor parents, you have to die from a curable illness because your parents are p- poor. And I think we would all be able to agree that there's a certain inherent wrongness to that concept. Um, and so we want one of the things we want our healthcare system to do is to be able to equitably and fairly both give people a reasonable chance as well as reward people for what they have. We also don't think that you know just be, if you're 85, you know that shouldn't mean oh too bad no more healthcare for you. You're about to kick the bucket anyway. Like, well, I got a bajillion dollars. I should be allowed to buy whatever I want kind of thing. Like, as a capitalistic society, we say, well, yeah, there is some merit to that. Like, you earned a lot. You should be able to see if you can live to be 150 like Elon Musk wants to be because you're rich. Um, so there's there's got to be some way to balance that, you know, don't, don't kill poor people and uh, let people get something better because they've, they've earned more basically allow people to go above and beyond if they have the the means to pay for it. Um,
3: That's not unlike what it's like in, in Europe, you know, uh, in Ukraine specifically is one that I can speak to that I, that I know, but they, they have the public health care is there, but, but people, anybody with money, they pay for the, the other, you know, they pay for private care and it's, Always nicer, more updated equipment and everything. And then you get into that discussion about second-class citizenship, too.
1: Absolutely. And and I, I think that's a difficult question to answer, because then at some point, if you're seeing radically different outcomes for the people in the public versus the privately paid systems, um, then it starts to be a question of, like, well, is this really fair? that, you know, unless you're wealthy, you're going di- to die of these otherwise curable diseases. You know, th- billionaires go in with stage four cancer and come out fine six weeks later. But, you know, average run-of-the-mill middle-income people walk in with something that looks like it's non-life-threatening and never come out. What's, what's the deal? How's that work? And m- my theory would basically be, how to describe this succinctly? Uh, that's something I, I have a lot of thoughts, but I haven't figured out how to really make them understandable in less than twenty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> which is not this is not the forum for. But basically, provide provide a place where, um, the government, or I shouldn't I shouldn't put it that way, I shouldn't say the government, a centralized mechanism foots the first portion of every bill. Um, and that the amount that it foots um, should be an, needs to be not should be needs to be enough to create equitable solutions. However, if you want to contribute on top of that for something above and beyond, you're welcome to. And if an inequality is discovered, if if that first portion of the bill is creating in, inequities in excess of what uh, the the culture believes to be acceptable. It can be adjusted. It's meant to be an adjustable value, maybe even algorithmically adjusted. But anyway, we can get into details if anyone cares to hear them. But um, my next question, I guess, would be: um, Who do you who do you see doing healthcare well? Um, you mentioned Ukraine, Jim, as a situation where. There, I guess you're, you're gonna suggest there are a few positives to that in that you 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 can you can buy more if you have more and I think we're largely okay with that concept but you would also say it's inequitable in the fact that you get really different outcomes at different prices is that true
3: sorry mute button yeah yeah I mean that's that's a uh, that sounds good accurate H-
1: have you have you do you have any experience with a, a systems outside the United States that work well?
3: Nothing. I I haven't had any issues outside the U.S. that I would have needed any any care.
1: Okay, that's valid. What about you, Casey? Have you Yeah, any- I also don't have.
2: I don't have any experiences outside of the U.S. But I think there are. We can. I think there are, there are sectors of the healthcare industry within the U.S. that you can point to and say this is successful and this isn't. Um, so f- for instance, um, the, the free market, when, when we're talking about free market solutions, the free market is really good for uh, finding good prices for things that are, have a highly elastic demand and very predictable and clear pricing. And it's very easy to compare Um, the values of different services. Commodities. Yeah. So like computers are a really good example of something that, that the free market is great at um, uh, taking care of. We get cheaper products that work better. Um, Computers is a good example. Uh, Healthcare is pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum where it is at least a, a lot of healthcare is, is, it's not an elastic demand at all. If you, if you need it, you need it. And you, you don't, the the idea of shopping around when you've got a heart attack doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there's also the problem that you don't know going in how much it's going to cost. You don't, when, when there's some sort of health emergency, there's no way to say, um, what's the price going to be if I go to this, um, get these services as opposed to these Services, and it's also difficult to compare the results um, from one place to another because you don't really have the opportunity to sample um, uh, different different uh, options. So, (laughs) what I'm getting at is there are there are certain services, um, like LASIK eye surgery, for instance, that has been that has really benefited from free market. (laughs) forces where the the price and accessibility has gone down tremendously because that is uh it's an elective procedure and it's a procedure where you know what the price is going to be going in um and it's very clear what you're getting out of it so that's something where it makes perfect sense to to have that be mediated by the free market um you look at things like heart surgery that doesn't work the same way um uh, when you need heart surgery, you don't have the option to um, go around. You don't know how long necessarily you're going to be paying for treatment. Um, it's not easy to say, you know, this per- this uh, center is going to have do my heart surgery better than this other center, um, and so those free market forces aren't as beneficial there. Uh, and as a result, we see um, in general elective procedures. Uh, the prices come down, whereas these, uh, you know, healthcare procedures that are not elective, that that basically you'll pay it if you can pay it. That's where the prices can just keep going up, and there's no um, the free market can't do anything to uh, to keep those prices in check. Can so I, I qu-
1: think that's really the uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to push back slightly on that. And I think that that's part of the idea behind health insurance is that basically you have somebody who's it's in their interest to find the best prices and insurance companies negotiate pricing with providers ahead of time. I mean, they can look at their tables and say, you know, we have 10 million subscribers, statistically speaking, 2 million of them are going to have, Procedure X needed in the next 10 years. So basically, we're going to bring $2 million of this procedure over the next 10 years. What kind of price can you give us on that? Uh, and know, Generally a-
2: speaking, the larger the insurance company, the more power they're going to have to negotiate those, um, uh, negotiating the prices down.
1: Correct. Generally speaking. However, you would think it would also be, in the interest of the hospitals... Um, To work with them, I mean, they should want to provide pricing, they should want to provide as an attractive pricing as possible. And I think part of the issue that you're discussing is price transparency as well and the fact that there's complete lack thereof for the reasons you mentioned. But I think there's, there should be enough, I think there is enough comparable procedures and, I don't know, treatments, I'll just put it that way, broadly speaking, that are very comparable. I mean, I well, think pharmaceuticals are actually a great example because in all honesty, most pharmaceuticals that once they're off patent become quite cheap, especially if they're small molecule. Um, and yet, with as insurance has been brought into the pharmaceuticals market, that's actually driven pricing up. So maybe I'm arguing against myself at this point. Joe, what were you going to say? I think part of the issue, it's at least as I'm
0: hearing it, is you talk about the larger insurance companies have more more power to be able to negotiate, which has caused um, hospitals to have to become part of larger uh, consortiums or, or of groups, so they can offer probably lower, more impactful uh, pr- pricing to be able to meet with the demands. And it seems like, like at least as of late, a lot of my my Primary care physicians have just been sucked up into a larger group. I would imagine, for partly for the reason to be able to keep up with the expectation of insurance companies. I don't know. It's I'm kind of a question and a mild and an observation.
1: There's yeah, you're absolutely right. Independent PCPs, private uh, primary care providers, are being gobbled up by systems for two reasons. One. It allows the system to say we cover more people which gives them strength to push back against the insurance companies and two it takes regulatory burdens off the PCPs because the hospitals will provide a cohort of lawyers and people much smarter than the doctors that say okay here's what you got to do to meet this regulation here's what you got to do to meet this regulation and if you can have a thousand doctors using those five brains versus a hundred doctors using those five brains, you can spread that cost out, making it cheaper on a per doctor basis, essentially.
0: Right. But then the issue comes in as you can become bigger is you now need to be more efficient to make sure the pricing the you know works out. And so, you know, talk to some of my friends who are doctors and and they're basically given a certain amount of time per person and you lose the the touch of of. Of personal care to the efficiency of well-priced care.
1: Well, and you're absolutely right. When you have a for-profit model, which many of these hospitals are becoming essentially, or at least owned by a for-profit company, now basically every treatment is, you know, a revenue generating thingamajig. And so it's basically, you know, how many thingamajigs can we make the factory make? But instead of having an assembly line with people working machines, you have a hospital with people working on people. <laughs> and so now it's you know crank them through, make sure you you meet all you check all the boxes so that we don't get sued for malpractice, and and try and generate as much positive revenue as possible, both to justify your high salary as a doctor and to justify the large investment cost that the system had to you know, is putting into it or should be putting into it to maintain the system.
0: Unless, of course, you go to a, uh, unless you have a lot of money, you get to go to a specialized place that gives you like the best care uh, and the best personal, personality, not personality, uh, like personal Bedside care. manner, basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, so something that's, inter- that's changed recently is uh, that doctor I was talking about way back earlier, he had, there was like, I don't know, maybe a dozen doctors that worked in that office. They kind of had... They weren't. They at the time they weren't affiliated with anyone else. Anyway, one of those other doctors has started. um, Oh, I can't remember the name of the system. But basically, what you do is you cut a small check to the doctor once a month or once a year. I think this was two hundred bucks a year. For two hundred bucks a year, you could be on his patient list, and uh, that. So whether you used him or not, you paid the money. And what that means is that he had a stable base of income. He knew how much he was going to make. He didn't have to do procedures to earn money. He had to uh, be available to earn money. And so then it's in his interest that when you call him up and say, hey, I don't feel good, he sits down with you. The doctor himself sits down with you for an hour, hour and a half. He talks to you and he says, you know, what's home life like? Are you getting good sleep? Like all, all those kind of questions that factor into medical care, but are you rarely get asked today. Mm-hmm. But he works he's working entirely well, largely outside of the insurance system because he's he's saying you know I'm not going to just generate treatment units and you know ching ching and just churn out treatment units all day long what I'm going to do is I'm going to take care of you but if in order for that to happen I need to know that I'm going to be compensated in the long run I need to know that everyone's chipping in kind of thing and ideally that's the way insurance was supposed to work but bureaucracy (laughs) but is what
2: you just described
1: um socialized medicine on a small scale no because you can opt out of it okay um and that and honestly that's that's the solution i believe america needs opt-in opt-out i mean some people want to call it the public option yada 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 and i think that is one way to sell it, but the best idea I've ever seen, and this is not my idea. I wish I could tell you whose it was. I read it in the Wall Street Journal as an op-ed, um, but it's it's what's called a no premium high deductible system. So basically, you make a, a, a refundable tax credit, and you say, if you do nothing about your health care, the government will pick you up, pick, pick up the tab, it'll take care of you, it'll meet whatever standards the government sets but the costs basically are paid in your taxes. So if you do something about your own healthcare and take yourself off the government role, then you get that money back. You get it as a refundable tax credit. So let's say it costs the government $15,000 per person per year, right, for everybody they insure. For every person that gets off the system, they would pay, uh, say, $10,000. So now it's in the insurance industry, insurance and healthcare industry's job, and interest to find a way to give that person as good or better care for ten thousand dollars a year rather than fifteen thousand dollars a year. And so now they're incentivized to find a way to beat the government basically at its own game. And the better they do, the more people will get off the system. Because if you can get health insurance, say, for eight thousand dollars a year, you can pocket two grand. Especially if you're willing it
3: seems like though you're 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 offering an, a trickle-down way of getting out of Obamacare.
1: Well, no, not really. So there's a what's the end game
3: if you if you if you're hoping for more people to drop and opt out.
1: So so here's here's the end game. First of all, there's no mandate, which has been uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Divisive, <laughs> controversial. There's no mandate. What there is is a guarantee. There's a floor. We say as a society we will guarantee that no one will have worse health care than this unless they want it. Does that make sense? Like you would have to elect to have worse health care than whatever that floor is. Um, and some people may find it worthwhile to do that. They may they may desire and say, you know what, I, I believe in faith healing, so I don't want any kind of... I, I, I believe in shamans shaking funny sticks and rattles over me, so I don't want any kind of, you know standardized, scientific-based Western medicine, you know, give me my full 10K and I'll take the consequences as they are. And you make that decision once in your right mind up front, not when you're unconscious, not when you're in a bad way, not every year. Because that's another is- huge issue with the American healthcare system is that we expect people to make their healthcare, health insurance decisions on a yearly basis. But thats you don't have to re-enroll for for auto insurance or your home insurance, or take life insurance, for instance, because life insurance is, in some ways, the ultimate health insurance. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if your health goes to zero, we'll pay out. <laughs> uh, but w- the way that works is you make a promise to pay over the next X number of years. And so I don't know why you can't go to a health insurance company and say, look, I will promise to pay you f- between ages 25 and 65, um, what is the best rate you can give me for 40 years of premiums like what kind of services and well, let me and, ask you a, yeah, go ask ahead, you a
2: hypothetical for this one um, so in this in this system what happens if I'm electing to um, take, take my money and do my own um, you know homeopathy to, to cure my illnesses and I get cancer um, and I realize very quickly that homeopathy doesn't work, and I decide that I want to get insurance. What then, happens
1: then? Then you give up your tax deduction. You go in the government system.
2: Mm-hmm. So the, part of this system would be that you can get back onto the system.
1: Once you're on it, you're on it. There's no. There's no getting back out. Okay. Does that mean, like you? Basically, it's like life insurance in the way you would have to make a decision. Kind at the beginning, and maybe I shouldn't say once you're on it, you're on it permanently. But the cost incentive structure would change once you say government government catch me with your safety net. Then okay, now you're part of the safety net. You can't just say okay, I needed you for six months. Now I'm better moving moving right along because uh, you know you you can't continue to take your take your tax your, your tax break your tax incentive. And ideally, well, maybe I shouldn't say ideally. Well, I should say ideally. Ideally, people would be able to make rational judgments when they're in their right mind, when they're relatively healthy, when they have good statistical tables in front of them about how long they're likely to live and what kind of diseases they'll probably have and their family history and their genetic makeup and predispositions. Now, I know this is a little bit fanciful and maybe one day-ish, but ideally, people would look at that and say, you know what, I really ought to make sure I have coverage for cancer because... Both my grandfathers on my mom and my dad's side died of cancer. And my uncle died really young of cancer. I should probably make sure I have, you know, a little bit of extended cancer coverage or something along those lines. And so you pay a little bit more for that. And if you want to have, you know, if you want to have coverage for controversial procedures like abortion, for instance. You could have a, a pro-abortion and an a anti-abortion pool. And if you want to be part of the pro-abortion pool, you know, you pay or receive a slight deduction for that. I don't know which way it would go. Would it be more... Would it be financially cheaper to offer abortions and less <laughs> uh, um, birth care services? Or would it be cheaper to not offer abortions and more birth care uh, um, coverage? I don't, you know, I'm not a statistician. I don't know the answer to that. But basically, could you, you could you ideally, you could allow people to, to design the health care they want, and the market would be reactive to that and say, okay, we can provide those things for the next 40 years for this price per year. And then people but choose. what happens when someone... So if, if someone can get onto
2: this healthcare system whenever they want, naturally what happens... I mean, the reason we have the mandate, the reason that the mandate came along with the ACA is because the way insurance works, if you take away um, the ability to reject people from insurance, uh, then... What's going to happen if anyone can sign up whenever they want and they don't have to be signed up previously? Is that the Nobody, insurance markets to- are going to be filled with people who have gotten sick? There, it's it's going to be people who are either um, either they have gotten they like just got sick, they are still sick, or someone who was previously sick and is still on the system and has a higher um, sure. So You know, people who have previously been sick have higher health care costs. So what happens is that this uh, the insurance costs for this uh, government program end up g- going up and up and up so uh, as the, only the, idea, the...
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Casey, and you're absolutely right. And the idea, your hypothetical homeopathic, oh, wait, this was a per- terrible choice, ideally, and I think this would be in reality as well, that would by far be in the minority. The vast majority of people, when they're healthy and 25... Would seek out four or five health insurance companies and say, "Hey, these are the things I want coverage for for the next forty years. Uh, what would my yearly price be?" And then you you sign a contract just like you would for life insurance, and then you go to your go- the government, basically in your tax form, and say, "Here's my contract. I am guaranteed health insurance. You don't have to take care of me, government." Um, and the government says, "All right, we don't have to take care of you. Here's your two thirds of what we probably would have spent on you anyway." And as you're right, as If more and more sick people wind up on the government rolls, that makes the value to not being on the government rolls go up. So it incentivizes people to avoid that. Right. So it should be be self-counterbalancing.
2: But it raises the costs for the people who can't get insurance outside of those government markets.
1: No, it doesn't, because it doesn't cost them anything. It's a no-cost system. It's paid out of the taxes you were going to pay anyway. Uh, yes, but the government ultimately passes all of those costs along to everyone, and the the way to pay for it, um, which I'm sure is the question that every policy wonk is asking, um, is basically to stop giving tax breaks to companies for spending employees' money without their without their say-so on health insurance that they may or may not want or need. So, the what is it? I think it's 57% of Americans get health insurance through either um, their company, their employer, their spouse, or parents' employer. Um, And in every single one of those situations, unless you own the company, you don't actually get to decide what your options are. You get told, okay, you can have, you know, the expensive plan or the cheap plan. Or you get told, you don't even get a choice what the plan is, here's what you're on. Um, And the reason that happens is because whenever a company spends a dollar on a health insurance benefit they get to call that they get to call that um, compensation employee compensation without having to pay either their half of the payroll tax or the employee having to pay any of their piece of the payroll tax so now basically you can pay people without having to pay tax on it and so in, instead of saying you know what we need to offer our best employees more money they say you know what we'll just offer everybody fancier healthcare because it'll be cheaper for us and we can say, oh, look at us, we're doing such a good job, we're offering people great healthcare. When great healthcare is actually the healthcare that saves the companies the most money, not that does the best good for the employees. So you stop tax incentivizing that wasteful spending and allow people to make decisions on their own and push everybody basically into the, the single marketplace. So there is no benefit of being a group, no one has that benefit. But everyone is in, you know, every everyone's part of the same group, and yet no one's part of a group. Does that make any sense? What I'm trying to say. So everybody, everybody's entering the the marketplace essentially in the same position, and it's the marketplace's job to design a healthcare solution that satisfies that person's needs at a price that is less than what the government's willing to do it for, um, and acceptable acceptable to the insured person. So,
2: and so I, I-, I want to go back for a second onto what you you were describing as for the ideal system with a public option that you could opt out of. I agree that the it's unlikely that the homeopath, homeopathy uh, scenario I laid out is going to be the majority case, but what will inevitably be the case um, if you can get onto, if you have insurance that you are guaranteed to always be able to get onto um, I, as, as a healthy uh, as a healthy person in my 20s, I would opt
1: out of insurance. Oh no, you can't opt out of insurance. You have to you have to have some form. You can say either okay government, you pick me up and I'm willing to not take that tax deduction. Does that make sense? Does and your it-
2: insurance have to match the government's um, quality or you can you can have it as cheap and as <laughs> ineffectual as you want because you can have it is, as you can have I'll it cheaper as- for
1: a bandaid once a year, and that's my sure. insurance. And you can have that, but don't don't expect anything. If you show up in the hospital, if you get cancer, too bad. That's what you chose. That's the contract you signed, kind of thing. And we were willing to take care of you and you rejected it. So it's it's an active get back on whenever you want. Uh, you, you can't the, get back on to the government insurance once. You you, you basically have make rejected. your decision one time. Yeah, you basically make the decision once. And if you want to go homeopathic, then you're committing to homeopathic. And you get if you get cancer and say this was a terrible idea, then you can repay all of the tax breaks you got and get on the system. But you can't just say, all right, I decided that was stupid. Government, fix me now. It's like, no, your deal was I'm going to eat herbal roots and, and pray to shaman gods and they're going to heal me. And they didn't, and I'm sorry, but that's the decision you made when you were healthy and in your right mind. Andrew, what happened? So don't you happened? think... What about the the scenario where um,
0: you opted out of the government plan, went with insurance company A, and uh, insurance company A didn't manage their money right, and now um, they've they've gone bankrupt and collapsed and you have no insurance?
1: Well, that – so that's exactly – that very system was solved circa 1913, except instead of health insurance, it was called BANKS. And that was a real problem: is that people would give a whole pile of money to banks, and then one day the bank wouldn't be there anymore, and neither would their money. Um, and the the way you solve that is with the FDIC. Everybody pitches in a piece of their a piece of their premium goes into a, a pool to prevent that from happening. And it, instead of having an outright bankruptcy, where oh no, we can't provide any healthcare anymore, it, it becomes an orderly wind down. Okay, now this entity is now owned by the government, and the government will basically sell off all the assets, repay the debts and get everybody into a new system. And there would be, there would be special case scenarios. And it's I think not, married it sounds like married, you're
2: describing single payer government provided insurance for banks.
1: Well, it's not single. Well, it's not single payer. Um, it, because isn't it one program? Uh, well, no, it's very balkanized. Um, uh, FDIC is for one form of banks, but there's also, if you can remember them, the FTC and, and anyway, if you go ahead and read Tim Geithner's book about the financial crash and you will understand the bevy of nets and their at times overlap and at times complete
0: holes. Anyway. So wait, hold on. So you, yeah. So you have me read that book. And so my question is then, how do you avoid a healthcare version of two thousand and eight? Like, well, there's, there's, yeah, well, people are taking saying. on risks, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, like this is an assumption that somehow somebody doesn't find some sort of loophole, and suddenly all the banks or all the big, the big health banks um, are are having issues, and we have to bail them out in some
1: some form or another. There, that an- the analogy between banks and healthcare is definitely easy to stretch too far. Let me say that first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, there's a lot of ways in which they're dissimilar. One way in which they could be alike under such a system um, would be uh, that the private insurers, the marketplace, as a condition, because you're holding something so valuable, people's health, as one of your as as an asset on your books essentially. Um, a condition of being allowed to do that is that you pay into a centralized fund that says, you know what? If there is some toxic event and two-thirds of your population suddenly becomes ill with this this thing because a factory went bad or whatnot, and you're like, look, this is gonna bankrupt us as a company, there is there there is a an exterior Non, so the Federal Reserve, for instance, takes no money from the government. It is not government funded. It actually funds the government, and so I'm thinking more along those lines. Something that's it's it's industry funded. The money comes from within the industry to take care of the industry. It's not the government stepping in and saying, "Okay, you know." um, But why would the the industry doesn't
2: have an incentive to
1: so the yes I agree with
2: insurance for itself. That's a consumer protection.
1: (sighs) Reinsurance. Correct. And I'm not saying that the industry will want to do this on their own. The industry did not set up the Federal Reserve on their own, but the industry does pay for the Federal Reserve on their own. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the same with the FDIC. The government set up the FDIC, but the government doesn't pay for the FDIC. So the government can say, look, if you're going to have the pleasure of being a health insurance company in the United States, you need to pay us one-tenth of your revenue per year not us. You need to pay one tenth of your revenue per year into this trust. This trust, which you know, you guys have to decide how it's. Well, there would be a framework designed. that would say, okay, here's who's on it. There would be, you know, maybe a few elected positions, a few industry positions, whatever. That's that's details that can be hammered out. So if everyone is
2: buying health insurance and all the not insurance is. companies oh, not are being not everyone required is. to pay ten percent.
1: Everyone is making a choice. Okay. Some people but may it's choose. Subtle. It's
2: it's essentially a tax.
1: Yes. Well, it already is. That's already what we're dealing with. Right. That's, but that's not this different is, than today. But this is a tax. You get to choose how much you have to pay. This is a choose your if own. But you choose tax not to
2: pay it. You, you When you get sick, we just let you die.
1: That was the choice you made. And I, now, I think now you get going to, to
2: inevitably fine. You get is to lay in the deathbed you made. <laughs> well, but who's the demographic that's going to be most likely to make that deathbed? Is it going to be people who are have the financial security to think 50 years down the line, I want to make sure that my health care is covered? Um, what, how do you think the difference is going to be between those people and people at the lower end of the socioeconomic uh, end of the spectrum who are just trying to make it through the year and they have to choose between am i taking care of my long term health care costs or am i going to opt to get 2000 extra dollars a year to get by i well, think okay. inevitably what we're going to see is even further fracturing of well it's not going to be like i i think what what we imagine when we when we say okay you can opt out of health care for good if you want and live with that decision we're imagining you know it it's the people who are going to be able to take care of themselves who are going to opt out. But inevitably, I think what will happen, what we'll see, is that it's the people who can't take care of themselves who are opting out because that is how they need to get by.
0: They just see well, it as a, and, a way to get a little more yeah, income. We,
3: we'd see a real boost with uh, – there'd, there'd be a mental illness or mental wellness clause to start with. And then we're going to see an increase, a real boost in people with that – that the conditions that meet that mental, you know, because then they'll want to change it back.
1: You know? <laughs> it, it, it's a fact. I mean, because people Cla- clarify your thought a little, Jim. I didn't follow.
3: There, the there would have to be some kind of a clause in in this agreement because you're it's really it's resolute. You're you're, you're making a decision and you're saying, you know. It's a legal decision, and it's one that will have a significant impact on your life.
1: Sure, it's just like a will.
3: Yeah, so there's going to be—the the person that does the execution of said will or said agreement has to be
2: determined to, to be of, of sound mind.
1: Yes, I would agree with that.
2: And, and, and the critical and difference is that if I write a will when I'm 20, I don't—and I look— back at it when i'm 60 and go oh that was crazy yeah right uh, i right. can change it whenever i want this is a totally different scenario it's no. not like a will so here's it, the difference
1: here's the difference i would suggest it's to it's you a casey definite
3: major
2: block in a otherwise some really
3: good good ideas
1: so I, I am open to the idea of saying uh one of the options is not entirely opting out of health insurance you must have something um you must have something that meets a certain minimum criteria. And I know what you're going to say, Casey, isn't that what the ACA did? (laughs) However, one of the things I would push back on that is that the ACA required a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't want. There are a lot of things the ACA required that somebody wants. Does that make sense? The the ACA went a little further than necessary in what they called minimums.
2: Well, and why is that? I think because... The minimums for some people are not the same as the minimums for other people. So if everyone is paying the minimum for their particular health scenario, then people who are at a, you know, who just inherently have much higher health costs through no fault of their own are not going to be
1: protected. The, the,
2: I, well, the okay, way if, insurance if you're, works, in insurance situation, is inherently.
1: Insurance is meant to handle risk you cannot afford, right? Mm-hmm. Insurance is not meant to cover costs you can't afford. Ergo, those of the lowest socioeconomic, on the the lowest end of the socioeconomic ladder, have the greatest interest in the cheapest possible health care insurance of any any variety, whether it be auto, home, health, whatever kind of insurance you want to talk about. The lower you are on the socioeconomic status, the less you can afford to handle on your own. So the more insurance you need, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So why would it not be in their interest to just rest in in uh, a publicly funded system? Why why would they choose to opt out of it, or why would they? They would choose. choose they would choose
2: to opt out of it if the minimum requirements were set low enough for the pr- private healthcare options that they could uh, save a significant amount of money uh, and. In- had a significant increased, significantly increased risk to their health. And that's what we see. Um,
1: pe- Is, people, so, who- but, but hang on, but isn't that inherently an American ideal, too? That if you take risk, you should be rewarded for it. If you're willing to handle that risk, if you're willing to say, look, if I get cancer, I understand that this doesn't cover lung cancer from smoking. You know, And I'm going to take the risk that I don't get addicted to cigarettes or that I'm already not addicted to cigarettes. Or maybe I already am and I'm willing to take that risk anyway because I want that pot of money. Like, okay, you're taking that risk. There needs to be a reward for that. So that's why I say, if you don't want to take that risk, don't take the reward. If you want to take that risk, you get a reward. I don't and know if someone- everybody's
0: that logical, though. I think, I mean, just for example, I, shutting off people's electric as the cable guys walking in to install a new cable box in their house, like you would think they'd say, Oh, Hey, I need to have electric to be able to use the cable, but people are, are not always going to be the most rational, especially when you look at something like, like $10,000 for, if you're using that as, we're just using that as our number, they're going to go, well, okay, like it might be worth the risk. So I can have the extra $10,000 so I can, um, afford some rent or or pay my electric bill or or whatever, and then they wind up you know getting cancer three quarters of the way through the year or whatever
1: well it's not a yearly thing it's but you a 40 know what I mean. thing yeah,
0: but I'm saying like
1: yeah
3: i i yeah, real quick question for Joe, what you were just saying about those people that um you know how would they have how would it been have been handled? if th- if we take it, dial it back 300 years, uh, we didn't have the, the struggles and the systems and all the things that we have in place, what would those people have to do at that point if they were having issues? Like, wouldn't they have to learn to be more self-sustainable? Because I think the point I'm getting at is like, I really feel like we're fostering that.
2: Well, and 300 years ago, I think people m- just died more. Is yeah, well, thing. sure. When we're talking about healthcare. care, um i don't think people were more self-sufficient i think they were more dead
1: well to be <laughs> fair to be fair dying is something that americans do poorly
2: yeah
1: so
0: jim's point is that the people learn from the their con- use consequences as the potential consequences as a thing of w- a motivator to make them. better decisions yes yeah and so i i yes i i agree that yes those consequences need need to be there. I'm saying I think that I'm I think that it assumes a lot from from where we are at because we've seen people making really good seen people making good decisions. Um that there are people in environments that don't know they they don't know how they don't even know what a budget looks like let alone how to create one. And and so okay. the 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 empath the empathetic person in me, which is very small, um, uh, looks at that and goes, something something needs to be done done for them. But you're right; like it it can't just be handouts because handouts just further the problem. I agree with you, Joe.
2: Let's let me let me propose a, a alternative model to to um think about the pros and cons of so. It, Looking at um, Medicaid, for instance, Medicaid and Medicare consistently are able to secure the, some of the lowest prices for services because they have
1: the largest bargaining power. So, And quite a number of doctors refuse to service those patients because they don't feel yeah, they get paid. That's true. So you have, then you have to find a doctor who's willing to take that small paycheck, which can be difficult to do. And if you do that over a wide audience a wide population what you're going to do is you're going to drive the smart intelligent people out of the marketplace let him finish right i'm sorry go ahead so
2: (laughs) if instead what you have uh, rather than a chimera um, is is you have a single payer system that covers uh, some standard of health care that is we the non-elective portion of health Care And there's still an insurance market on top of this for all sorts of elective procedures um, or, or procedures that exceed this minimum benefit. But for everything else, there is a single uh, payer system. And as a result, uh, it's a single, there's a buyer's monopoly. And so there is a huge incentive for um, service providers and for um, uh, medical products. Um, if they want a government contract, they need to pull down their prices as, as much as they can. That way you've got your, um, you've got socialism working at what socialism is good for, which is being able to, uh, uh, bring down per capita costs on inelastic, um, services. And you've got capitalism doing what it's doing best which is being able to best mediate elastic demand and and being able to produce uh, competition and incentivize innovation I think there is a, a hybrid system that works but what makes it work is that the hybridization is done um, it's it's vertical and not horizontal it's socialism is is handling the inelastic elastic parts of healthcare and capitalism is handling the elastic parts of healthcare rather than we've got um these the big blocks that are handling different segments of the population. So it's split up by service rather than by demographic
1: there is a lot of merit to such a plan, Casey, and I think it there's quite a number of very good arguments to be made along those lines. The the two obvious pushbacks that I see are one there no one likes to service the government if it doesn't make them any money. So the people that are going to be offering those inelastic demand services are going to be the bottom feeders. You're not going to have top flight companies and people wanting and willing to do that because anybody that comes in with a shoddy product that's cheaper, the government's going to you know, lowest common denominator sort of thing. And I understand the concept of like, well, there'll be inspectors and we'll make sure they meet minimum standards and so on and so forth. And we know how well that works in places like prisons and <laughs> restaurants.
3: Uh, you're just getting bigger and bigger.
1: Exactly. No, and Jim's Jim's absolutely right. You're just layering bureaucracy. Uh, the second issue I think you have is now you have to have an exterior person or panel or judgment system, algorithm, something saying what counts as an elective and what counts as a non-elective procedure. Take my ACL repairs, for instance. Is that elective or non-elective? Depends who you are and what you use your knees for. So how how does somebody other than the person who's getting the procedure decide if it's elective or non-elective? And if in one case, you don't have to pay for it, and in the other case, you do have to pay for it, everything's going to fall into the category of I don't have to pay for it. And if you have some outside decision-making body doing that, then you're going to have what Fox News loves to call death panels, which they are not death panels, and I get that, but the concept of somebody else somewhere potentially far away, potentially with no contact whatsoever with the people receiving the care, determining who has to pay for what kind of care. And that rubs a huge swath of America that happens to be right between the coasts the wrong way. Does that make sense? Well, there's some. There are a couple things you can
2: do to mediate those problems. I think first of all, uh, having having uh, Congress on the same healthcare system would be a good
1: start. Uh, I would agree. But uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. also yeah, they seem
1: to they seem are we to. We all in uh, agreement on that one. Like their own yeah,
2: absolutely. All right. Um, but the to your um a do do last in- point about
1: um, sorry I blanked what was the last thing you said? So the, the two points are how do you incentivize how do you incentivize uh, high flyers to come into a system that's always pushing prices down and two how do you get somebody other than the, the person receiving the procedure to decide on what's elective and what's not elective?
2: Got it. Uh, so one of the things that I think regardless of whether you advocate for, um, well, I, I think there's there's a lot of agreement that we need to move away from the fee for service model of healthcare because that's something that hugely drives up um, costs and you end up people there. There's a, a large incentive for doctors to uh, give do a lot of service ask for as many things. Yeah. Give get a lot of service. It's having the compensation based on how many things you do. Outcome than based. And how healthy uh, people are yeah, is out, a big problem.
1: Outcome um, so, versus fee for service.
2: Exactly. Uh, so if you've got a single payer system, then you can change that accommodation. And we already have uh, accountable care organizations um, that are, we've already got that model that's, that's being tried out and is, very successful when you take away fee for service and and actually price based on results, how healthy are your patients, then there's not as much of um, that you eliminate a lot of issues related to pricing and to quality of care Uh, it becomes cheaper
1: and it becomes better care Um,
3: and and it'll fast track genetic mutation, like genetic involvement in in healthcare.
1: Isn't that isn't that exactly what Jim suggested early on though? Because if the provider is if the healthcare provider is also the health in-
3: I wasn't producing a counterpoint. I was. It sounded like I may have been, but I wasn't. I was saying, no. If you carry that out to its logical conclusion, we're going to be paying people all the time to affect to, to mess with DNA so that we don't. You know, we know they're they're prone to cancer. We're going to make sure we don't we don't include that if we can if we can do it because then
2: is that bad? Right. Genetic engineering? <laughs> I, think a, a <laughs> yeah, I think that's a whole nother podcast.
1: Yeah, I think that's a whole other podcast series <laughs> with some much more highly educated hosts, if I may add. Um, but when Jim Jim at the very beginning mentioned the idea of the healthcare provider also being the insurance person, so basically the concept there is um, you're not going to want to provide any... The, the interest of the healthcare slash insurance company is to keep their people healthy because unhealthy people cost them money. Hey. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly the model. That's, that's the same outcome of the model you had, you were, or, or very similar to the model you were just now advocating where the, the, the cost of someone being unhealthy is borne primarily by the person whose job it is to keep them healthy. However, the the flaw I see in both of those systems is that ultimately the person whose job it is to keep any given person healthy is that person. You are the one that decides not to smoke. You are the one that decides to eat carrots instead of another donut. You know what I mean? You are the one that decides to sleep in or go up and get up and go for a run or go to the gym or what have you. And so if you're doing work to stay healthy, there should be some financial reward to that, and if that doesn't come in the, and if that doesn't come in the form of lower healthcare costs because we're all paying the same, then it doesn't. Then why on earth wouldn't I sleep in and eat another donut and smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol?
3: Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're doing it for those other reasons,
0: well, that depends. Everybody's motivation is different. But I mean, I would generally agree with you, but. For some people, you know, money is is a good motivator to get healthy.
2: But I think that you were mentioning before that it's valuable to have the healthcare provider bear the burden of the the unhealthy. Cost of of patients. Yeah, the cost need... of patients being unhealthy, and the only the way to achieve that is for everyone to pay in and not be pay- not be paying for service but rather be paying for coverage so then um, yes i insurance agree insurance is how go- universal would- health care covered by single payer insurance is exactly how to achieve that
1: with one caveat it doesn't as if it doesn't cost you any more to be healthy or sick you need to also bring some of that burden back onto the participant if you don't there's no incentive for people to be healthy There's only incentives. There's only incentives for the system to try to make people as healthy as possible, and that's gonna fail. And it, I mean, I think it's relatively easy to look at socialized medicine countries, if we want to call them that, single single payer, government sponsored, run, whatever it is. Your Canada, your UK, basically every other OECD country, if we're honest. Um, What's OECD? OECD. Organization of Economically Developed Countries, OED, uh, except it's in French, so that's why the C and the D are backwards. I think. Okay. You can Google that. The big
2: countries, basically.
1: Yeah, basically the twenty or twenty-three right. richest first-world countries. I'm good. I've and seen. I've seen the diagram I, from my liberal friends. Yeah, every single other one does have some kind of socialized, government-sponsored medicine, and to varying degrees of success. Basically, the more homogenous your culture, the more successful it is. But that's a separate issue. Um but if you don't if you don't have buy in by the participants in their own interest in staying healthy which sometimes needs to be financially rewarded or else people don't see a reason to do it to your very point that some people struggle to plan 10 15 40 years into the future if you give them a reason to do it now they're more likely to do it um, and so that's why that's why total socialization just say you know everybody pays $10,000 more per year in taxes or, or you know, grade it to incomes, whatever you want to look, however you want to make that. If everyone pays in and everyone gets out what they need kind of thing, then the people who are willing to make poor choices are going to pay less and get more than the people who are willing to make good choices. So now you're incentivizing bad behavior, and that's not what we want to do. And you're disincentivizing paying to go to a gym. Why would I pay to go to a gym? When you know, if I get fat and I get diabetes, the government's going to cover me for that. There's no financial incentive not to. Well, so you can mitigate that as I'm. You can you can provide
2: financial incentives in the form of tax breaks or in the form of um, taxes on, on products that make you unhealthy. To that doesn't work to work against that. And also, financial incentives aren't the only
1: incentives when it comes to health I totally agree with that so it's people not who are that you highly lose people, those forces
2: people who are a, highly disciplined it
1: won't change a thing for the people who aren't highly disciplined but who see a pot of gold at the end of it it will change a lot for like you're saying like all the, the obese,
0: that- all the obese coders if they get a date with a really pretty woman at if they lose 75 pounds
1: or if they get if they get a free sweet CPU, whatever it is for them. But the thing is, the market is best at determining what that guy really, really wants to get healthy. And if, if- the market is
2: good at determining things when there is a um, when the consequences are short term, market is really, really bad at long term consequences. And I think the idea that people will be making decisions about how much they eat today based on how much they want to pay for their health care in 50 years, that's you're assuming the perfectly rational consumer, which doesn't exist. I, I, mean, I agree. This is and, why the free market not, isn't a panacea is because there is no rational consumer. That's a,
1: a I totally agree. And that's why, that's why I want to, I want to cut people to check every two weeks for going to the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, want, I want to see a healthcare company that comes out and says, okay, your base rate is 500 bucks a month. If you demonstrate that you go to the gym twice a week for at least an hour, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, that's just a minimum. Just walk through the door. It's 10 bucks a month less. If you go to one of these gyms and, you know, all of their equipment is connected to a monitor and we see that, you know what? You just ran a seven-minute mile three days a week for the whole month it drops by a hundred bucks a month, you know? And as long as you meet these things, because you're absolutely right about the short termness of capitalism and, and saying, you know what, this is an incentive for now to make a decision now. And so instead of saying, you know what, you'll pay lower health insurance premiums for the next 40 years. I want to say, you know what, you're going to, you're going to get money back this month if you, or this week, if you make a better choice. And I think. Uh, I do too. I, 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 I think, I think that, that's ultimately what you, you need to incentivize health insurance, health care providers, whether they be insurance companies or the hospitals, however that, that system winds up falling together, incentivize them to innovate to a way where they basically say, look, we can provide all this coverage. If you make it cheaper for us, we'll make it cheaper for you.
0: Just so, just so everybody knows, you heard it here first. It's documented. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean honestly, whenever I go to a sheets, if there was a little app that's like ding, I see you're at a sheets. If you decide to leave the sheets and go over to Subway and get something that's moderately healthier, <laughs> maybe okay, bad example. No, it's a, actually leave, it's a fantastic example. Like hey If you w- leave sheets and go to that farmer's market
0: and get a head of broccoli, we'll give you three dollars. We see huh, you're at we right. see you're at a Wendy's. Scan your receipt to show us you got a salad. You know what I mean yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah,
3: yeah but they're going to take they're going to take those advertising dollars uh, up front then too and then it's going to be recommendations that
2: they're selling they're not yeah. offering. Recommendations.
1: But I mean, that's one more way that you can cares? avoid paying for healthcare.
2: Yeah. It's sounding I would gladly sell my eyeball to me. It does. That too.
0: <laughs> there is that. But
1: here's the thing, it's already <laughs> happening. That's true. Google already knows you just walked into Wendy's. That's not news. Nope
0: yeah but they're That's trying true. to now affect your dis- well Google's providing ads, yeah yeah, you're right. you google and, one and thing here, and now it shows up on your Facebook feed every <laughs>
1: when we come home from the grocery store, we take pictures of our receipts and submit it to an app, and they give us money. They say we'll give you twenty five cents if you buy name brand blah blah blah, well, it's twenty cents more expensive, so I'll do it so so real
0: quick, so what's wrong with the a c a let's uh in five minutes or less,
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Or what's not wrong with it, if you like it. Jim, we haven't heard yeah. from you in a while. Why don't you go, why don't you uh, start us off? Pros and cons of ACA, Jim. And ACA uh, is Obamacare. Wait, you know
3: what? Uh, I would like to defer to Casey while I look up ACA and what it is and what the acronym stands for. Obamacare. <laughs> sure.
0: Affordable Care
1: Act. Yeah.
3: Oh. <laughs> Obamacare. Come okay, there we go. Yeah. Go, Casey. Obamacare
1: pros, for the Pros, people. cons of ACA slash Obamacare.
2: Um, the... I- I, I think the uh the pros of the Aca are all the cons of Obamacare it's just what you call it um i think <laughs> if if you took if i think if you genuinely if you took obamacare and
1: called it something else and said it was the republican plan it was the republican plan in 1994 when Hillary clinton came out with her plan
2: yeah you you put i i think even today if you took the exact same thing and called it a republican plan Plan, and you know, all of the news organizations just agreed to like get in on the joke for a day. What you would find after the polling of that day is that Democrats think that it is totally immoral and Republicans think that it is brilliant. Um, <laughs> okay, I, why I do agree. you say that? That, <laughs> that would be
0: my guess. <laughs> why it's do, you totally say that. why true? do I say that? Yeah, like, what, because... what, like, give me a couple examples of things in there
2: that you think. That would be like the highlights. Sure. So, well, they actually do find this in polling is that when when they ask about. Um, when they ask about. The Affordable Care uh, Act Obamacare. versus Obamacare, right? Right. right. The, the Affordable Care Act is way more popular than Obamacare, or at least it used to be. Among Republicans, the Affordable Care Act was much more popular uh, than Obamacare um, just because. Obamacare uh, had a scarier name to Republicans. Um, and right. that was what was.
0: But, so, like, if the headlines all shifted towards the pros, what would be those? What would be like their top three things? Like, the Affordable sure. Care off, uh, Act well, offers these, and what would be
2: the lowest three cons? Um, so, the, the big things that are pros are being able to stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26, uh, not being able to be denied uh, coverage for pre existing. Condition that's absolutely huge. Being able to get, um, not being able to be turned down for insurance um, is really big, or be priced out of insurance because of a pre-existing condition. Um, also, there are things in place that are they're put in place to reward doctors for cutting costs and for um, providing greater price. Transparency, motivating to move to electronic record keeping. That's actually been a really big thing, a, a huge shift since Obamacare went into place. I it's have seen a that, yeah. lot more hospitals getting into electronic record keeping. The big con, of course, is that um, it's mandatory. So it is a tax. I mean, it it, it is functionally a tax. Um, the reason is because. Otherwise, you can't you can't take away the insurance company's ability to turn you down, and they also say you don't all have to be part of it because then you, people would just not pay into it until they got sick. So it's a it's a requirement. Um, the The system doesn't work without the individual mandate. So that is a con, but it's not a con that you can pull out and leave all the other things there. The other thing, the other con is that. Um, it doesn't actually do that much to lower prices. So a single payer system, the the idea behind that, not saying that there aren't cons to that as well, but a single single payer system, the big pro is that the government now has the ability to bargain for much much lower prices. Uh, the this skyrocketing of medical prices um, can can be slowed down. Obamacare did slightly slow down the growth in um, medical uh, in insurance prices but it was like 5% per year growth to 4% per year growth. It was nothing significant and obviously the healthcare costs are still growing. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big cons is just that it doesn't in its current incarnation have after it went through um, you know, it went through many rounds of revisions between Democrats and Republicans. Um, and as a result, a lot of things got cut. And a lot of the things that got cut were the things that would actually have helped uh, bring down prices. All right, Jim,
0: same question to you. I, I
3: agree with so much of what Casey just said. I think that I mean, highlight the most important thing is this pre-existing condition idea that that you know, and I don't have any idea how to get to where we can we can have these things that seem so important when you when it comes to daily lives. That's critical. Like if you have like I have a wife with cancer. You know what what do we do if something happened or insurance needed to change? And you know, and that that's real life. That's real stuff. Um, price pan- transparency, yeah, that, I mean it's fantastic and. Uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction with a lot of these things, but I, I feel content with the number of examples where the government takes something and and just does the worst job possible for the most money possible. I, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, broad blanket brush too much here. I just I, I, I you know that if we only had a health care system that was run by the government that we could look at. And then get some, you know, get some ideas on how they're how they do with it, right? Uh, oh, we do. We have the vets. That's right. We have the vets, and we can see how well that's doing.
1: You mean the you mean the VA, not not veterinaries? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, veterans. VA, of, yep. of war, but uh, you know, and anything to keep you know the New Deal, FDR's New Deal, when uh, so many, I think wrong ways that, that, you know, it, at the time I can't in, even imagine what they were dealing with. I can't imagine what was, you know, what, what went into those decisions, but I think the impact has, has not been, uh, absolutely, uh, robust. I think we, we've got a lot of issues where government's just trying to do too much and we don't do it well. So that, that's really my key, my key interest. I mean, Affordable Care Act, I, you know the doctors, the people I've communicated with. When I reach out and try to hear perspectives other than ones that I might have, you know, formed on my own, like with news or whatever's available, I want to hear opinions of the people that are involved. And and I don't I don't believe in the in the years I've asked. It's not been a ton of of doctors or, or healthcare professionals, but uh, you know, I don't I don't remember ever hearing a positive review. And those are the people that are taking care of us, but you know, maybe they're, they're influenced too much, you know, their opinions, their negativity, maybe it's not what they're dealing with. You know, maybe it's what the the politics of it that they're responding to. I don't know that, but that's just what, that's how they're responding to me when I ask about, well, what are your thoughts on, you know, I would never cue it up so that I, you know, want to weigh the decision or make sure that they know, oh, you know, I'm not wearing my "Make America Great" hat <laughs> when I ask the question. You know, I'm implying that I want a certain response. I'm genuinely looking for answers on this, just because I'm curious about it, and it's a big issue that affects everybody. But I don't think the government—they haven't shown me they do—they they do those things well. I have—I don't have enough examples. I, I like the, the intention, but I just think we need let that. You know, yeah, that's about all I can contribute about a ACA. Now I'll I'll never make that mistake again.
0: Do uh, do you actually have one of those hats? I do not. Okay, I just checked it.
1: Um, Andrew, anything
0: you wanted to add to, to what these guys have said?
1: Yeah, I believe the biggest flaw in the ACA is the fact that they did not remove the connection between employment and health insurance. I think the ACA, with its individual mandate, which actually, as Casey pointed out, is essentially a tax, which... I think largely as a society, we're okay with, in principle. We don't always like admitting that it's a tax and admitting that the government is doing this thing for us because the free market hasn't done that. Because we're Americans, and we're like, no, capitalism, always. If it says socialism, it must be from Russia, and therefore it must be evil and die. Um, But what we did was we exempted a huge portion of healthy people from having to be part of it. If we had all of those people actually participating in the market, which is an inherently capitalistic system, that would actually drive prices down for everyone, including and especially those pre existing conditions. And I, I honestly believe that if, if we can disconnect healthcare from employment, um, you will both see an improvement in pricing, an improvement in care, and an improvement in innovation. But it is. Say what?
3: You said you will both see this. I, I'm wondering if it's just the two of us that'll see it, or or all of us. <laughs> you will see. You will
1: see all of the following things.
3: Uh, well, that sounded exclusive. I just wanted to clarify. Well, <laughs> just I, us. Well, I
1: ones. thought it was gonna be. I thought we, I was gonna say you'll see these two things, and then halfway through it, I was like, you know what? I think it'll you'll see all three of these things, <laughs> which are improving improving price structures, improving innovation, and improving outcomes, because that will be incentivized. However, we've we've said basically, if you have a job, you don't have to participate in this system. Um, instead, we'll, we will actually subsidize your healthcare. So the the government is paying your company to buy f- to to spend your money as an employee buying healthcare, which is the most wacky, wanked up, weird system that you could possibly imagine. And anybody who's designing a system wouldn't pick the one we have. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but Andrew, I agree it, with lets
3: that. People, it lets people. It lets these companies look like they're offering a benefit and a a tremendous service with these matching donations, and they get to make the cash on the money and, and, you know, the whole
1: deal. And on top of that, they get to use it to chain you to your desk. Oh, what are you going to do? Leave leave this company? Isn't your wife? Doesn't she need... Some, doesn't she have a, a cancer? Oh, I guess you can't be leaving. Well, then here's a whole stack of work for you to do. And then honestly, it's it's a form of slavery. What are you going to do? You can't walk away from the health insurance. I think we all know lots of people who say, eh, I don't really care for the job, but I need the health insurance. But the benefits right? are great, yeah. Mm-hmm. That lots is the people. worst.
3: That, I mean. The, the most blatant takeaway I'm going to, for me out of this call is just, that's a, I can't agree with you more on that. I don't, I, I get anybody with a different opinion. I want to hear it.
1: Can you imagine going to a restaurant and saying, "Yeah, the food's terrible, but I sure like the tables." Like that's <laughs> not why you go to a restaurant. If you don't like the food, leave. But here you can't. Here they say, "Oh, you don't like the food? Too bad. We'll hack off your legs." Like, "Okay, I guess I'll eat this stupid food." And yeah, and it's if you like it, that it, healthcare, it, why don't you just move there, you know? <laughs> it yeah. it doesn't it, let people it's also it doesn't huge let people stimulating it doesn't let people be entrepreneurs. It doesn't let people go out and do something on their own. It makes the gig economy very difficult. It, it, it's a hindrance in all sorts of ways, but it's the status quo. And because of that, people actually get chained to their desks and say thank you. As, the, as Jim pointed out, the company is making cash hand over fist by not having to pay taxes on what they call benefits and handcuff you and make you say thank you. It's the worst system imaginable. Okay, were I'm we, done ranting. Were Go we're
2: ahead, Casey. Mistake, Casey? <laughs> I agree. I, I I'm completely agree that it makes no sense that healthcare uh, goes through our companies. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so, and and I think that's one of the other like those who argue for um, a single payer plan that it's it's the same argument. It's it's that this is such an incredibly inefficient way to do, do this that it it. Chokes small business and it um, disincentivizes uh, risk taking from a business perspective, and uh, it chains you to your desk. I really like that that term. That that makes a lot of sense.
1: And the person who receives the care is not the decision maker. That's the other thing. Who wants the HR person deciding what kind of health care you get? <laughs>
3: Yeah, who well, I thought there? Dwight handled it pretty well back in season one.
0: The <laughs> <laughs> single ply toilet paper too. Um, so, so I have one final question, and then we're gonna we're gonna call it quits here. And it, you have to is answer: it, is it,
2: who knew healthcare could be so complicated?
0: Oh, no, I think <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's
1: it, everybody knows. <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
0: No, so the answer Everybody
1: except for the president. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, Actually, it's good to lead into my question. Um so you can answer with only one word and your choices are yes, kind of and no. Are you ready? Yes, kind of, uh, no. I guess. So Jim, we're going to start with, Jim, we're going to start with you. All right. Uh do you like President Trump? Yes. Okay, Casey? No. Uh, Andrew, no. All right. And my answer would be no. So that'll lead us into, uh, next week's next week's topic of, of election reform. So, uh, yeah, I was just We were curious. We were talking Look, about it after it. the call last time. And I was like, well, I'm just curious where we're, where we're at here. So, well, thank you guys. Uh, I appreciate it. I think this was, this was a lot of fun. And, um, it was it was neat to hear the different ideas and thoughts on healthcare, uh, especially for someone who's uh, relatively ignorant uh, when it comes to the topic so
2: thank you yeah. and i think we solved it i mean it sounds like we got to figure yeah. it out
0: we yeah. at least have a direction <laughs> and we need to get our smart our smart technology to sync up with our healthcare,
3: and my headset to sync up with my computer yes
2: yep. <laughs> ne- next time next time <laughs> all right cool small victories (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right guys thank you